0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan. Thank you for joining with us. This is our weekly Bible study for First Church Charlotte. We are continuing to consider the themes, the images, uh, the teaching examples given to us in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I earlier this week was thinking about how it all began and I thought about the sequence and how there were you know the uh, there's of course prophecy but that's going back a long way and then there's uh, this moment where uh, the the pronouncement is given and the wise men are seeking and the shepherds are are hearing from angels and uh, I realized that the real sequence uh, didn't wasn't just about Jesus. Uh, there was another thing happening. Uh, Jesus did not stand, as it were, as a, uh, a single voice. But the Lord believes in witness so much. And the Old Testament principle of in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Uh, is so strong that Jesus himself would not come without a witness. Who was that witness? That witness from heaven was John the Baptist. He was not that light, John the Apostle writes, but he was sent, John the Baptist, was sent to bear witness to that light. And so uh, John the Baptist becomes a part of the necessary uh, spiritual conditions for the Messiah, the Messiah to come. And we don't think of John the Baptist and his ministry the same way we think of as, say, uh, Jesus. We, we, uh, particularly in terms of Christmas, we think of Christmas as such a sweet season. We think of the babe in the manger. You, You understand what I'm saying. And John the Baptist, he comes across like a prophet of sorts. He comes across as like this stern figure, almost Old Testament in his Prophetical style, but he is just as much a part of the story as the sweet image of uh, Babe in a manger, so to speak. Uh, I I've been giving my little girl uh, medicine recently, and she she's had this little little sickness for a while, and she, she has to take these antibiotics, and they are just nasty, and she has to get her courage up. To take these antibiotics. And so like, for example, this morning, I, I spent this morning trying to describe to her, you know, how much she had to do it. And she was, you know, sometimes she gags, sometimes she tries to even throw it back up. I mean, it's a big deal. If you have little people, you probably have your own version uh, of, of this. Um, and so I'm trying to sell her on the idea. <laughs> Although this tastes horrible, it's very good for you. And I tell her about all the little white blood cells in her body and they're fighting as good as they can, but they need help. If we don't help them, uh, they're gonna have to, it's gonna be much harder for them and I sell her on this idea that she's doing it for them. And (laughs) as long as she's not, you know, she's doing it for someone or something else, then she'll go along with it. Uh, None of us like the bitter, none of us like the stern, all of us like the sweet. Um, John the Baptist, we don't think of as being a part of uh, this kind of sweet Christmas season. But I, I would, I would remind all of you that the lessons from the life of John the Baptist are profound and they are set intentionally by God. They are set right against the lessons that we see in the coming of the Messiah. We just don't think of him in that way. So what's the first lesson we would learn from the life of John the Baptist? Um, the first thing I would say is it's okay to be different. <laughs> John the Baptist was not an ordinary dude. Uh, John the Baptist was an extraordinary guy. Um, He did not follow any of the, shall we say, socially accepted ways of being a part of the worship life of the people. Uh, There were people who lived in the wilderness. They were known as Essenes. They were very strict. in fact, you can look at this in your own time. Uh, h- history lets us know that the Essenes made the Pharisees look like liberals, if that gives you any hint. Um, the ASEANs, they, they lived in the wilderness, but they thought that it was through isolation uh, that they would become holy, or by isolation, they would remain pure, and that by engaging with other people, they would lose that purity. Uh, John the Baptist does not follow that tradition. He preaches to the multitudes. No, he may not live in the city, but when they come to hear, he preaches to everyone. He does not avoid them. Uh, He lives a life of singular focus, pursuing the presence of God. That that can be shown in the manner in which he uh, spends time, uh, as it were, among the hills and in the caves and lives this Kind of wild life, where his hair was wild like a prophet, and he he wore camel skin for his clothes. And for dinner, uh, how about wild locusts dipped in wild honey? This is an image of someone surviving uh, the life of a wilderness wanderer. He's chosen that, but when people come, he's not isolating from them. It's though it's as though isolation is not. The point, Um, if it's helpful to be alone with God, then fine, but when people show hunger, John the Baptist ministers to them, he baptizes them. He, as it were, bridges the gap between the hunger in the cities and the spiritual, shall we say, purity that's found in those wild places. Of being isolated unto unto the Lord, John the Baptist is not a, uh, an easy to understand guy. Uh, he's not you know hanging out with other s- Torah students. Uh, he's not having lunch with the temple uh, glitterati. <laughs> he, 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 he's not arguing with philis- uh, 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 Pharisees. He, he is very he's a very unique individual, and God uses him. Um, it should remind all of us that it's okay to be different. God can use you uh, in all the range of your human uh, gifts and all the range of your human personality. Uh, It may be that the people you minister minister to um, are different because of your personality or different because of your style, but you should not think that God uh, can only use the cookie cutter. Uh, Consider someone as off the social spectrum as John the Baptist and see how powerfully he was used of God. Uh, And so he appears in the wilderness, the Bible says Mark 1 and 4, so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now this is important because why was he a controversial figure? Um, This is uh, point number two. John the Baptist challenges the status quo. Um, All all social groups, all peoples, they they have a spectrum of what is devout and what is, as it were, uh, the opposite, shall we say. Um, They have the spectrum of who is religious and who is not. They they oftentimes live and feel it as good people versus bad people or holy people versus unholy people, righteous versus unrighteous. And they have this worked out. And then um, they, in the society, they, they have their ways of signaling whether or not they're a devout or whether or not they're kind of, you know, a party animal. And so this is true of all all human groups. Um, This is true of the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, John the Baptist comes along and he rejects all the social signaling, the manner in which people show each other, I'm good, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm devout, you're the sketchy one. He rejects all that, it's as though John the Baptist throws it all out, rejects it all. Um, John 1, 19, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He was well known, Uh, he's mentioned by uh, historians like Josephus, he mentions him, several times, other works of antiquity, uh, mentioned John the Baptist, he was very well known, he was that generation's version of a celebrity preacher, and uh, very well known, and his point, not just that he's a different kind of guy, he's a very different kind of guy, but he challenges the status quo, the religious status quo, and basically condemns it. Uh, This is a detail we miss. I, I. I'll confess that I spent a, I spent most of my adult life uh, as a Bible student, um, and that means almost every day I'm reflecting, thinking, reading, etc. cetera. Um, I did not realize this. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that, but I did not realize this. What was the big deal about a doctrine or a preaching of baptism? Um, it dawned upon me this morning that there isn't baptism in the Old Testament, not for Jews. The the baptism in in the Old Testament is uh, mentioned uh, symbolically in Leviticus chapter number 15, uh, where baptism is a part of the purification of a Gentile, not a house of Israel, not a child of Abraham. It's something that a Gentile would have to do in order to convert, to be purified from uh, their, how shall we say, unclean, ways and choices. They were baptized as a ritual purification that they now could become part of God's people. And here comes John the Baptist and he's preaching to everybody, the scribes, the priests, the Pharisees. He's saying all of you need to pretend as though you're nobody before God. Quit acting like you're somebody. This is the challenge John the Baptist gives to the status quo. Quit acting like because you grew up studying the Torah that your heart is above sin, it's not. You're just as sinful as a Gentile. This, you can see where this would not be taken well. He's basically asking them, To come before God in complete and utter humility. You're nobody. Don't talk about which tribe you're from. Don't talk about how many times you paid your tithes down to the very grain of wheat. Quit bragging about how many times you fasted. You need to throw all of that out. You're nobody before God. You need to be baptized as though you were a Gentile. This is a... um, quite a challenge when you think about it. Uh, This shows within John a deep sense of humility before God. Now, this will be shown uh, by his life when even though he is much more well-known than Jesus, when Jesus appears, he quickly points people to Jesus and he says, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy to even do this man's shoes. Follow him, hear him. I baptize with water, he baptizes with fire. Do you see? I must decrease. He must increase. Do you see the deep, profound humility that, although humility is not simple, it's not something you can just go around meek and mild and say I'm humble. That can be an act. That can be another form of manipulation and religious vanity. Uh, one of the the, the great <laughs> the great signs, however, of humility is uh, who we think we are and what we think we deserve. And uh, John the Baptist shows this in a powerful, powerful way. Just, it's really amazing to me. Preaching to all these hyper-religious people. Stop thinking you're somebody. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you come be baptized like you have no, God owes you nothing. Come like that and repent that your heart is not right from from God. Uh, We need to challenge our spiritual status quo. We need to make sure we're not going through a religious motion. We need to humble ourselves um, in the same manner that the Pharisees had to quit being impressed by other Pharisees. They had to humble themselves. Sometimes uh, we uh, fall into a very human habit of uh, figuring out what people we respect want from us and then serving that. Um, and uh, we run the risk of fearing men and not God. Uh, we run the risk of if so and so, who I've been convinced they're powerful, if they say I'm right, then I'm right. This is really not the path of spiritual becoming. Um, it's not to go, you know, find somebody uh, who they're seeking for you. <laughs> They're knocking for you, they're asking for you. No, mentors help us. I'm not against mentors, spiritual leadership, it's biblical, pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, that's biblical, that's not what I'm saying. There's a limit to what they can do for you, do you see? They can't ask for you, they can't knock for you, they can't seek for you, they can show you themselves doing it, but you have to say, before God, I, I, I'm. I i do not think I'm anybody down here. Lord, let me humble myself. Let me ask you your will, your way. That is the. Uh, I think the most important thing to understand about John the Baptist's ministry challenging that status quo. Bab, be baptized as though you're a you're a Gentile and repent of your sins. And then, uh, lastly, uh, last lesson from the life of John the Baptist, I think is his passion to point people toward jesus christ uh, i am the voice of one crawling in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord john 1 23 uh, he is a great prophet yes he is in many ways the last prophet of the old testament yes he's one of only two people who had the holy ghost from his mother's womb uh, he is one of the only pro he's the only prophet Uh, mentioned by prophecy before his birth and he was mentioned twice. He has all these accolades, all of this sign of divine favor, but his attention is always look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie, uh, Mark one and seven. So if we start, Understanding this great gift of Christ becoming flesh, if we start understanding this great gift of God taking on a human body to face our temptation, but rather than being defeated by our temptation, He's victorious over our temptation, to face our pain, and rather than being marked by our pain, He is victorious over our pain, He bears all our sins as a righteous Lamb of God. This, this, incarnation, the robing of deity in humanity, a second Adam. Uh, If you want to understand, if you want to appreciate that, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas when Christ came close, He came near, He became flesh, dwelt among us. Um, We have to remind ourselves that the way the world was prepared to receive His presence was a prophet who basically said this. This is the NJE version. Guys, I need you to take God very, very seriously. You're not taking God seriously enough. Here's the prophet, John the Baptist. What is he saying? You guys are you guys are playing games. You need to repent. You need to make sure your heart is right. The king is coming. You need to make way for the king to come. Don't just go through some type of a religious program. Don't just you know, do this and do that and say it's enough. No, humble yourself, be baptized as though you're nobody, as though you're a Gentile, humble yourself before God and say, I need to be cleansed of my sins. When John does this, it's as though there's this great revival of people saying, wash me, O Lord, that's baptism. There's this great lived out prayer meeting of thousands of people saying, wash me, oh Lord. Wash me up, oh Lord. And what does God do? Through Jesus Christ, he answers their prayer. (laughs) And we are washed in the blood of the lamb. Lord, I pray you would be with your people. I pray that you would protect us as we travel. I pray that you would let us be spiritually reflective as we celebrate where we don't just rush through the holiday essence of the holidays, but we let them be devotional, we let them be spiritually important to us. Lord, I wanna say thank you for the work you've done, bringing hope for all of us who were lost in sin, cleansing us of every ungodly uh, way, habit, sin, and allowing us to stand in your righteousness and thus have access, access to God anoint your people for the purpose for which you have called them, placed them, and empowered them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast, we